Hi, welcome to the Beyond Athens podcast with your host, Jaden Park and Owen Ferguson. Alright, so for today's podcast, we are talking about arrows, about love, about romance. Um, Speaking of love, how does my hair look? Oh, you look so sexy right now. That's good. Do you love it? Yeah, I, th- I do See? think you need that's a that's the problem. Boom. With the word love. You say you love my hair, but you also say you love a woman. How could that possibly be the same thing? Because eros is specifically erotic type of love like it's a love based on relationship desire and lust so what is eros right it's a greek concept yeah it's a greek concept meaning love in a sense but there's multiple words for love in the greek language Mm -hmm. multiple words for what we yeah and in the english translation we kind of tie in all those words into one word which we call love love (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah for sure for this podcast we're going and talking about owen's love life that would be that would be dope if um, it existed (laughs) i would love to talk about it yeah (laughs) if that were a thing okay we're starting with numero uno God I mean, that was numero- that was the first official one, right? There were, come on, <laughs> there were ones before that. Yeah, Jeez, eh, that was a long time. Maybe ago. wasn't she like your first kiss or something? No, uh, or was it that British girl? No, no that was afterwards. No. British girl. <laughs> no, no, it, um, it was uh, in junior high. My first kiss was in junior high. But does that count? I mean, that's I was twelve. That's weird. I mean, I was 14 for mine, so... That's junior high age, too, I guess. Yeah. Okay, but obviously, Eros means more than 12-year-old kisses, right? Correct. <laughs> it's it's a deeper meaning, um, more about romance between two individuals, more towards significant others than anything else, um, because there's different types of love. There's brotherly love there's like family love they're all different um and so naturally as human beings we can read the context clues and say oh if someone's saying like oh yeah i love owen he's my brother like we can kind of figure that out that it's like a friendly love not like oh i love owen in the way that i I want to like have sex i want to get it on with (laughs) owen Um, but going into it, um, I love talking about love and philosophy is probably my personal favorite type of philosophy because it's so mysterious to me. It's so mystical. There's no real logical explanations for it. Yeah. I mean, that's what philosophy is trying to do, trying to make, uh, an explanation of reason about why we love and what the purpose of this, or it really is an emotion, right? It comes down to love is first and foremost an emotion we have um, towards another human person. 
um, at least when we're looking at it in this context. And an emotion is an engagement we have with the world, but it's not necessarily rational. It's not necessarily logical, right? As we can see from the love, how it's portrayed in movies and books and in our own lives, love definitely does not follow the path of reason like we want it to with philosophy. So it's almost this like this dissonance between both love and philosophy. So it's really cool to look at the people and the theories that have tried to put them together and say, no, we can make love and philosophy one, right? Yeah. I think it's interesting that brotherly love and like friendly love and like passion can be logically explained. It's like, oh, I love you, Owen, because we've been together since we were 14. Like we've had so many memories. I just love your personality. Everything's great. Yeah, there's, okay. there's different types of friendship, too. Mm-hmm. There's different levels of that. Yeah, and, and like if you did something that would cross my boundaries and, and make it so that I didn't love, like, those those things, those factors went away, like, then I would stop loving you because it's like, oh, I can logically base everything off of, like, a thought process. But when we're talking about Eros and we're talking about sexual love, it's completely different um for another human being like a significant other you can try to tell yourself oh i love this person because of this 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 oh yeah that that question like tell me why you love me yeah but then at the end of the day like if they changed and they stopped having all those qualities you'd still love them well i mean for for the majority of people like if you're like oh this is the one yeah, it's overpowering logic, and I don't understand why it's that way with Eros, but not these other types. It's it's more so that way, right? Like if someone totally changed, but I think I think change is is the big thing we want to talk about with Eros. So well, let's say, let's go into Eros originally as a Greek term, right? So I actually wrote about Eros in one of the first blog posts for the essay because. A blog post for beyond athens because it seriously interests me and what it came down to was eros was seen by the greeks a long time ago as this word for like lustful desire obviously and like they kind of saw it in this destructive manner um which kind of makes sense right when you're you know getting those types of feelings you're not necessarily thinking logically step to step how to acquire your target right it can it can lead you to some measures that you'd regret if you weren't, you know, having those overbearing feelings of love. So um, they saw Eros primarily as not a great thing, right? But um, we get to the point where Plato comes in and Plato says, no, I can teach you guys about Eros. Eros is actually a thing of the beautiful and it leads us to the beautiful and philosophers Plato in specific, they had this idea of the world of the forms where every everything we can think of had this separate world where there was a perfect version of that. So we can go deeper into that later, right? It's a really cool theory and it's like metaphysical and such. But what it comes down to is there's a perfect form of love. There's a perfect form of eros. And the eros that we see in our day-to-day, especially when we're young, lustful, emotional type eros isn't the eros that leads to the beautiful to the good life it's the eros that we truly think about 
and um we and back to change we work on changing the other person for the better changing ourselves for the better and examining it right so what we're looking at in this podcast is how to think more about eros how to think more about love and not just blindly go into it like me and you and basically everyone have done um in the past you know especially (laughs) youthfully so that's my point there i guess with that um i understand when they thought that like love was bad because in epicureanism they believe in negative hedonism which is pretty much like desires are bad and eros is definitely kind of a desireful type of love yeah so i can see i can see how they're like oh that's bad because it's a desire for sure um and then changing it from kind of that topic is love a need is love a need well i guess it is so we're looking at it are we looking at it the way plato looks at it or are we looking at it just modern day psychological way right now for for everybody listening to this podcast is it a need in human nature is it necessary to and well, we're okay. talking there, specifically like... we're talking specifically about eros we're not talking about friendly love and yeah yeah erotic love right we're talking about a love yes i totally know what you mean and, and there's still i do want to angle this a little bit because are we saying do you need it like do we have any internal psychological need for it like all of us yearn for love that i think yes i think we do have that need but do we need love to live the good life? The philosophical way of looking at it, to reach our telos, to get to eudaimonia? I don't think so. I think that it's very good. I think we can prefer it. But kind of going back to stoicism here, it's not something we always totally have in our control, right? Like, you're, I mean, me and you, I'm sure <laughs> everyone knows that love is not something that is always up to you. There's always another person involved and their feelings and their emotions and their, the way they grew up and everything about them, right? So outsourcing that need for love to make a good life for yourself, I don't think you need that. But I do want to hear what you have to say. I do think you need love to reach self-actualization. Okay. I think you need arrows to reach self-actualization to accomplish a telos to like have a fulfilled life. I don't know. That one I I think you might need to. Yeah. The, unless unless you're kind of like a psychopath who <laughs> who well, different. who just doesn't have an interest in in partnership, Emotions. companionship, marriage. You're like, like Spock, dude. Yeah, if you're like Spock, then I think you can reach self-actualization and self, like, reach your telos without eros, but no one is like that. Well, I think you can, I think you can recognize that you would prefer it, but um, also not necessarily need it, right? Obviously, most people, besides the Spocks, are going to want their, that in their life. But saying you need it, it would be, especially for self-actualization, you know, that, I mean, shouldn't that be something that's totally internal? And saying you need arrows for it makes it external by thereby adding another person in the equation. 
if you have that type of mindset to where the where you're at the point where you don't need another person, then yes, I I do think in that circumstance you'd be okay. But in my circumstance, because I want a, a companionship, and I don't know if you want companionship in the future or not. But <laughs> yeah, speaking for myself, <laughs> I could not reach self-actualization. I would feel like there's a piece missing if I got to the point of self-actualization without a companion. Well, I think that's how you train your mind, right? I think because, I mean, it, it goes back to, and I talk about this a lot, when we when we talked about telos in specific, I mean, okay, let's let's define first off. Let's define self actualization, and what's the difference between that and say eudaimonia? Because that's kind of when when I think about the ultimate human goal, I think of eudaimonia, which is a word the Greeks came up with for our for our telos. So our ultimate aim is eudaimonia, and it's a word for human flourishing, right? And obviously, that's going to come with up and downs. You know, we're still humans, but you know, to put it in super 21st century self-help terms, it's living your best life, right? And I want to know, but that obviously we have to dive into that more and, and, and see the specifics. So what does self-actualization have to do with that? Is that self-actualization? Are those the same thing? What's your view on that? It's human flourishing in a sense. It's, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to get super specific about that, right? Because we all, I think we all intuitively, this goes back to Plato and his theory on knowledge and um, about how we know some things intuitively. This was Plato's theory of knowledge, how we already kind of know some things. It's not empiricism, right? It's not the blank slate that, that some people think we're born with. No, we already know stuff. We just kind of need to relearn it. So I think internally, at least looking at it the way Plato does, we already know what eudaimonia is. We know what flourishing is. We just kind of have to relive that. And we'll get that through the experiences and through and through truly analyzing our experiences of our own personal lives. And through that, we can find what flourishing is. So it's hard to define, right? Because I think it's already something we internally know what the good life is in a way. Mm -hmm. But sense? going off of that, like we're just learning, like relearning all of it. Can you learn about Eros without experiencing it? Is it one of those things that you can't truly know what it is unless you've gone through and experienced it? Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, let, let's get personal here, JD. No, I mean. Yeah, let's get personal. Way, I, Come at me. I, I'm ready. I think. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm saying with me. I think in a way, like. In a way you can, because I feel like I've learned more about this is going to sound super nerdy, but I've learned more about Eros and love through my study of Greek philosophy and a little bit of psychology and other philosophy and emotional intelligence, stuff like that, you know, and reading through other people's perspectives. I mean, this is where novels come into play. I think you can learn something about love through novels and stories. That's how we learn as humans. That's how we have learned as humans for millennia. You know, we learn through stories. Um, however, to really truly internalize the lessons love gives you i think you do have to go through it once i would think so too the reason is is i 100 percent agree with you with the storytelling and we can learn about arrows through stories it helps. it helps but it's fleeting it's temporary it's true yeah you need to experience it to keep the lesson firm exactly 
exactly. Because as much as I want to know what it's like to be on, like to be insane, I could go take like five different pills right now <laughs> and I would learn a little bit about insanity. Yeah, just drop a tab. But dude. then tomorrow I'll be back to normal. And if I wanted to really learn about insanity, I'd have to permanently put myself in that mindset. Yeah, although at that point, you're not going to be doing much learning. Yeah. I don't know if that's a great <laughs> analogy or not, but that's kind of the first one I that think, came to my brain. Yeah, I think there have been better ones, but I think people are going to – we're getting what you're saying. We're that's picking good. up what you're sort of putting down. Sort of putting down. All right, so but um, going back to just experience, like, yeah, personally, I have learned a lot more about love in – because I've had a few relationships, right? But I've only I only feel that I've really been in love in one of them, and I learned not just about eros, not just about love, but just about life, which is what Plato's saying about eros is we use eros in order to improve ourselves. We use love in order to improve ourselves and our partner. That that's the ultimate. That's a beautiful form of eros. Um, I learned way more about life in general through that one relationship where I was actually in love, and I learned more from that relationship than novels about love and philosophy even probably right so yes it's it's the experience that matters so let's let's go back to talking about change because i have some things that i'd like to say about that and pretty much with finding someone to have an eros with a romantic connection with what should you be looking for to have a eros that is solid and will grow um what should you be looking for in the other person or what should you have found in yourself already um let's do both but let's start with uh the other person okay well even plato concedes that i i, I go back to him because he really was the first philosopher to write anything about love um in his in his dialogue the symposium there were a bunch of old Greek guys that gave speeches on the concept of Eros and what it truly meant for us and how it came about, right? Eros was actually a Greek god of love. They looked at the world really differently back then, right? But what Plato would have told us is he would have conceded that, yes, love starts with a physical attraction. Even the beautiful form of Eros must start somewhere. So think of it as a ladder of love is kind of how I've, I've seen it written in other places. And the bottom of the ladder to get started on the ladder of love to the beautiful um, is a physical attraction to someone. I mean, you got to have that. You got to think they look nice. <laughs> you got to want to get in that, you know what I'm Absolutely. saying? <laughs> but um, so that, I think that's honestly like, that sounds superficial, right? But it's the truth. It's, we, we know it's the truth. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. I, I totally agree. And people that say that, oh, you're shallow for just going based off of looks. It's like, no, we take into account literally everything about the person. But oh, for sure, especially later down the line. Absolutely. Exactly. You know? But with food, if we transition it over to food, you're not going to want to eat something that's gray and looks mm. bad, even though it could taste amazing. Like weird swirly. I'm not it. gonna eat that if it looks gray and it like has fuzzies all over it. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you want to call me shallow for that, call me shallow for that. Take take care of yourselves. All right. Yeah. Keep 
keep showering every day and moisturize and and this is why this is why authors pay people to design a cover for them because like yes don't judge a book by its cover but it does matter yeah no and i i think you're right people will push that that is shallow we shouldn't look past the original conception of that person or perception perceptions with the sense so perception of of that person or that thing we're looking at for beauty yet it does matter it's intrinsic to the human experience and that's just not going to change that's kind of what what needs to start now if it stays that way if all you ever care about is the looks for the person i mean that's recipe for disaster right i mean there's no way i'm going to be looking this good at 68 Mm -hmm. i mean maybe (laughs) i'm not going to lose any of this hair that's i know that but (laughs) But you know what I mean? That's a recipe for that. It's not going to work out. You know, you got to move past that. You got to climb the ladder of love. So I like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Don't um, do judge a book by its cover because do your hair in the mornings. Gosh, dang it. I don't think we should recommend people to judge a book by its cover, but I don't I think, think we should push that. It's a bad thing. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'll concede. That's a better way of looking at it, but we should become a, we should become like a men's fashion advice. Uh, monarchsroyalty.com <laughs> oh yeah that's true Jaden has another business he's doing oh dang i didn't even think about that yeah plato definitely tells us that before we go about loving anyone else we have to recognize in ourselves the the need for change because all of us need to change all of us need to improve it's it, no one's perfect we all know that um and when you add a partner into that you're gonna have things that you need to work on and change for the better so it's uh it's not being reluctant to to better yourself in in a relationship and that's what i think is yeah it makes total sense that's what i think is the most important part when trying to find an arrows with somebody else i think it's most important to be able to find somebody that you guys can grow together. A lot of the times our feelings get too in the way of us thinking logically with when it comes to eros and love. But if you can look past that and see, hey, is this dynamic good enough where I can see myself continually growing in the time being? Like, do we work together enough and well enough that we can both grow? And makes yeah. improvements in our lives. Yes, sir. Yes, it's a love not for the person the way they are right now, like the romantic philosophy of today would have us thinking, right? But it's a love for who they can be, and for who you can be, and for who what, and for like what you two can become together. Exactly. And if you look at, if you look at love objectively, what need does love meet for us? What need does love meet? Um, a, a really personal, I mean, we all kind of have a social need to connect with other people. And this just, this puts that at a new level. You connect with the person you love way more than m- most. I mean, even well, we're talking about Eros type of love, right? You connect, you connect with that person even more than your parents, siblings, best friends. I mean, that's a whole new level of connection, right? Physical and emotional. Um. So I think that really, I think that's a separate human need in itself. Kind of like we were saying, we all have that desire 
for Eros in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so do we feel more of ourselves when we have Eros, when we have love in our lives? Do we become more of who we are internally? I think ideally, ideally, of course, ideally, that's the best. So yes, I would say, but there are a lot of, you know, not healthy relationships where that can be obstructed um, by many different means. Uh, there, there's people that are too anxious, right? I think there's two, there's two, when looking at connecting with another person this way, there are two different levers you can pull on how people's like psyches are going to intertwine with another person. So there's people that are avoidant, right? That when they get into trouble, because I mean, what, when it comes down to is relationships, you're going to have problems. You know that. Jaden, gosh dang it, I know that. It, it It's depressing, but it's true. And it's good, honestly, because you can work to the better. That's how you work to the beautiful up up uh, Plato's ladder of love, because that's how you change, is that you have disagreement. But some people get to a point where they're avoidant, and they avoid these discussions, and they avoid their partner. And some people um, are too anxious, whereas they are worried if their partner loves them enough, cares about them enough. And these are two psychological realities for people that can lead to relationships that don't work out in ways that they should. And you have to prepare to be in those type of relationships. Mm -hmm. The people that are anxious, they definitely haven't prepared themselves enough to be in a relationship like that. I don't know why, but humans naturally search for love from others before themselves. They think it's easier to just go and find somebody else to love them instead of working on themselves internally to develop a self-love for themselves. Yeah, no kidding. Philosophia. That's the, that's the Greek word for self-love that Aristotle coined. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. That's really interesting. I've never thought about it like that. It blows my mind. It honestly does because... It's right there. Like, you don't have to go anywhere. Like, just work on it yourselves. The question that I have for you, here's a really big question. Which one's harder? Self-love or gaining love from others? Asking me these tough questions, bro. I, it's an important question. I think it depends on the person. I think it depends on... If you just took the world in a group, which one do you think would be this, the census? To do it right? To do it correctly? Ah, uh, yeah, pro probably, no, which probably one's harder? self love. Self -love. I'm, not asking, I'm, not, I'm not asking which one's better. I'm asking which one's Well, harder, harder to do correctly, right? Because like you can, you can get into an erotic relationship, thereby using the concept eros, but that doesn't mean you're doing it right, you know? And I think a lot of people do that. I think I've done that. I think most of us have done that in the past. You know, we live and we learn. But what's harder in the end for most people is probably, I would say, self-love. I mean, this is speculation at this point. But I would agree. agree. Okay. I would agree self-love's harder. The reason is, is because you're with yourself all the time. That's true. You're going to have that negative and, language towards yourself, dude, which you got to stop. But And that's just... And that's just how humans 
tend to lean. They just lean towards being negative more than positive. And I don't know why that is, but it's consistent with everybody. It's just, we could, it's just easier to just roll with punches towards ourselves. Yeah, self-criticize. And that's why I think it's harder because it's easier to externally love somebody. You only see them for so long and it's like, oh yeah, they make me feel good. Like I love being around them. I love that person. But when it comes to yourself, you don't ever get a break from yourself. It's not possible. Yeah, that's true. And so when you're with yourself all the time, you see the flaws. You're like, oh shoot, I shouldn't have done that. And that's part of living. Like you make mistakes, but we're just harder on ourselves than we should be. And there's this um, tool that I've seen <laughs> that I've seen people use, and it's called the self-compassion tool. And what it is is when you're going through a problem with or a struggle with like emotions or anything like that, you kind of take yourself out of your body for a second and imagine your your five-year-old self dealing with these same problems with these same emotions so say you're dealing with um the struggle of like breaking a habit say you have a really bad habit you can't break it and right now if i had a really bad hot habit and i'm talking to myself i'm like come on Jaden, like what are you doing what the hell like let's get a, let's get our crap together and work through oh, yeah. it like oh totally i'm i'm and and i'm just so disappointed in myself i'm so hard on myself and that's just how it is and i might throw in a few choice words when i'm talking to myself but if i'm talking to my 5 year old self who can't break a habit say like he can't stop picking his nose that's problematic i'm not going to be like yo what the hell stop picking your nose that's gross that's <laughs> disgusting no one wants to see that <laughs> yeah slap him like i yeah exactly so when you're talking to yourself, you should talk to yourself the same way you would talk to that five-year-old Dang. person. Be nice to yourself. Hey, dude, like, that's not, that's not cool. Like, probably shouldn't do that. No one's really wants to see that. But it's okay. Let's just work on it. Let's find a way for us to work through this and get to the point where we're not picking our nose anymore. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it, JD. But... It's it's a really good tool. Um, I've known some people to put a baby picture of themselves in their journal as a reminder when they're writing things down to kind of have self-compassion. Sure. Um, okay, guys, we decided that we're going to wrap that up here. So what have we learned today, Jaden? <laughs> We've learned what Eros is, yep. um, what responsibilities you have in that type of relationship and what need is met from having this arrows and if it's if you can accomplish telos or self-actualization without it um and you guys yeah and and for all you listeners you're gonna have to dig deep into yourselves um this is gonna be a call to action for you guys take the time sit down look at yourself and ask yourself are you ready to be in a relationship like that and if you even want a relationship like that so that's going to be something you guys are going to have to do for yourself yeah are you are you truly willing to be changed like that's I, i'm not sure i mean we hit that but i'm not sure we hit that enough like that's that's serious man that's one of the biggest things i learned from my relationship 
is that I was kind of stubborn with, I mean, there would be criticisms and, you know, welcome, like, like good criticisms of my character and, and the way I acted in certain situations. Um, and I was proud, you know, I, I didn't want to be changed. I thought I was pretty sick the way I was, which was true. But at the same time, you're supposed to laugh at that. Uh, at, the same, <laughs> at the same time, no, there, there was tons about myself that I needed to change. And I think I have, you know, I have changed since then and I learned from it. But um, that's that's a huge question. Are you willing to change yourself? Because that I mean, that's the prerequisite to get in any relationship, man. You're never going to be perfect, just, you know, the way you are without any experiences with other people. That's how I see it anyways. Absolutely. So we learned about that, different different ways of looking at Eros, how important it is as a concept. And then we ended with a great note from Jaden on self-love and phalaushia. It's probably not how you say it in Greek. I should look up how to pronounce that. But that's how you spell it. Um and and looking at yourself and talking to yourself in a more compassionate manner correct correct so thank you guys for listening to the beyond athens podcast make sure to catch us next time um i don't know what we're going to be talking about we'll here, figure that out we'll figure that out <laughs> okay thank you guys